0: We have been discussing one individual for 20 weeks now. And does anybody remember who that guy is? (laughs) It's King David. So we are on our 20th week of King David. And the reason I've taken so long is usually I just run through the series with David and just looking at his leadership principles. But this time around, we've just been looking and stopping and seeing how his life pertains to our life um, in so many areas, both the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, to do with him, but... There's so many lessons um, in his life to learn and for us to be able to apply today or to avoid today. And so we've been looking at his life right from the very beginning when he was a little shepherd boy and nobody thought that he would be king. And we found out that God looks at the heart of man, not just the physical appearance of man, but looks on the heart of man. And that's when I went, you know, because good, he can use me then. And looking around at some of you, I went, okay, he can use you too then if it's about the heart. (laughs) Just kidding, you're a good looking bunch. And so we saw him be raised up to become a mighty man, uh, end up in Saul, King Saul's army, actually, and become a general in his army. We saw how he was winning wars, but becoming very popular then um, with the people around him. And therefore, King Saul got very jealous and wanted to take him out. And so David went on the run because Saul was trying to kill him. And he went on the run and we saw all these different things that happened while he was on the run and where he was hiding and exploits he did while he was out there running away from Saul. Until last week, we finally ended up Saul and his sons dying in a war, Saul dying, his sons dying. And then we saw some civil war taking place between Saul's remaining son and King David until that son finally died. And now today we're at the point where David is now taking over the entire kingdom of God. He is taking over Judah, and he's taking over Israel, and he is becoming king over both of these. Saul's son is dead, his, his final son is dead, and David is now being ushered in to being king. And so 2 Samuel 5:12, verses 17 to 19 says this: So David knew that the Lord had established him over King of Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of the people of Israel. Now, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David, king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went down and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtlessly deliver the Philistines into your hands. Now, can you do verse 12 again for me, real quick? The first point we're going to look at today is verse 12. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of the people of Israel. Now the first point I want to make today according to his life and what we learn out of this is if you want to be anything in the kingdom of God, you're going to need to be anything for people. If you want to be anything in the kingdom of God, it has to be for people. And we've been seeing this over the weeks, time and time again, this theme has cropped up that if we want to be a leader in the kingdom of God, we're a leader because God wants us to lead people and be good to people and love people. We need to be a leader for people. And every single one of us is a leader. God has people in our lives that he wants us to lead, that he wants us to be good to, that he wants us to lift up, that he wants us to help. Everybody has those people in our lives. And so if you want to be anything great for God, you got to be good to people. And we've looked at this over the weeks. The Bible says, you shall know, you know, how are Christians known? You shall know them by their what? By their love. Not by how much you can quote the Bible. Not by how bad you tell people they are. That's not part of the gospel. The gospel is good news, not bad news, right? It's not anything else. We are known as Christians by our love. And that's the whole fight. That's for us to walk in the commandment of love. That's the battle that we're in. Is our flesh doesn't want to be nice to people all the time. Sometimes I wake up in a bad mood. I was up all night with a toothache and I woke up this morning and I really didn't want to smile at you people this morning. (laughs) I didn't. And so with a little aura gel, I'm smiling. So anyways, but we shall be known by our love. And every time you see people interacting with God, interacting with Christ in the Bible, he always turns them back to being good to people. You know, Peter said, Jesus said to Peter, I should say, do you love me? Peter says, You know, I do. What was Jesus' answer? Feed my sheep. If you love me, be good to people. If you love me, be good to people. We saw how the Bible says that he who says he loves me and hates his brother is a liar. He's a liar. And the truth of God is not in him, the Bible says. So he who says he loves me and hates his brother is a liar. And it's so important. And I can't tell you how many times, just in my daily life, I've been running into this, how God's been dealing with me in this situation. Just even yesterday, I was down, and there was someone down in the town there, and we were chatting back and forth. And he said to me, you know, you have, you have such lovely staff. Some of your staff is just so lovely and so kind. He says, it's, it's the greatest thing to see that you have people around you that love people. And I thought, fine, that's a great compliment. But that's something we need to work at all the time. Because that's what people notice. That's what separates a Christian, is that we l- are supposed to be good to people. We're supposed to love people. Right? Yes, we're supposed to be hard workers. Yes, we're supposed to be diligent. Yes, we're supposed to be all those things. But in the process of being all those things, we need to be kind. We need to be good because that's how people know us. That's what really separates us from other people. We will be a good to a person over a financial situation. We will do the right thing because it is right, not just because we gain something in life. That's what separates us. And it's all founded in love. You know, one of the things I got involved with lately is. On 248th Street, you might have seen those yellow signs along the way. Um, it's called Shop 248, And so there's Kensington down at the bottom here. Um, there's Kensington Prairie. There's us. There's the Otter Co-op. There's Bonetti Meats. There is JD Turkey Farms. There's Krause Berry Farms. There's Thunderbird. There's the Buzz, the Bee Place. And then there's... Um, at uh, the very top of the hill, there's um, a, a winery at the top with, where they shot When Calls the Heart and all the movies up, up top there. So we get together as a group to be able to just interact and, and have a community and, and to be able to just you know, cross-market with each other and, and help each other's businesses. But there's some big dogs sitting in that meeting. There's some guys that, oh my goodness, on, on, a, on a financial level, are just unbelievable. Um, big dogs. You know, one of the guys there, we just heard sold his business for 170 million million, one One of his businesses. So that's the kind of people are at the meeting. And so I, I listen more than I talk when I'm at these meetings. But anyways, I got talking with one of the big dogs and, and he started talking and he was telling me, wanting to make sure that I knew the secret to his success. And he kept on saying to me, it's about the people Trent. It's about the people. It's about loving the people. If it's fearing it for any other reason, get out of it, he said. It's about the people. It's about being good to people. And he's a Christian guy. And he says, you know what? They're they're God's family. And they're made in his image. And they're his, they're made in his likeness. And you gotta be good to the people. And so everywhere I go, I've been faced with this. It's gotta be about people. So we see in that first scripture that David became king for who? He became king for the children of Israel, for the people of Israel. So if you want to be anything in God's ways, you got to do it for the right reason, and it's for serving other people. If it's for serving yourself and just getting more out of your own life, um, you're in it. You're in it for the wrong reasons. All right, second point. Becoming king. So here we see in verse 12, it says that they anointed king David over all Israel. And then the next verse is after he becomes king, the Philistines hear that he is king. Now, when the Philistines heard that they anointed King David over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. And the Philistines also went down and deployed themselves in the valley. So David becomes king, and no sooner after all that running away from Saul, Saul trying to kill him the whole time, finally he becomes king, and do you think he'd have a day's rest? The moment he becomes king, the Philistines go, let's go get him. Let's go get him. Let's go kill him. And so becoming king straight into another problem. And so the point that I see here is becoming king did not solve David's problems. He was running from Saul, trying to be king. And when he finally became king, his problems didn't stop. And so becoming king did not solve David's problems. As a matter of fact, you'll see sometimes they're getting worse. And we see from the scripture that maybe it's true that whom much is given, much is required. And so what i like to take out of this and what I think it, was, it could, per, could pertain to us is that something new in our lives won't solve our problems. A new job is not going to solve our problems. Getting married doesn't solve the problem. Having a child after you're married doesn't solve the problem. Moving somewhere new does not solve the problem. And so my point today is someone or something is not the solver of your problems. It's not. And a lot of times we're walking through life and we're thinking the grass is greener on the other side. Oh, if I just get married, everything will be solved. Oh, now that I'm married and we're fighting, if I just have a child, it'll make peace in the home. And as any of you have been down that road before, being married doesn't make things easier. Having a child and being up all night with a kid that doesn't sleep doesn't make things easier. It adds more pressure to the situation. And so if you think it's going to solve the problem, it's actually the opposite. It actually adds to the problem. And so we go through life thinking, oh, this will just solve this, or that will just solve my problem, or if I can just get this, or if I just get a new job, or if I just move and have a fresh start, or if I just do this, my problems will be over. I'll have a fresh slate and it'll all be over. No. And you know why they're not solved? Because everywhere you go, you go with you. (laughs) Right? It's about looking in the mirror. We got to quit blaming everything else in life and we got to realize that God just wants us to work on us. He wants us to change. And someone or something is not the answer. Looking in the mirror is the answer. Oh, if I just have a new spouse... I don't know if you know this or not, but the more divorces somebody has, the more times they get married. You know that the divorce rate goes up every single time, every single time, every time. And why? Because it just gets easier to move on or, you know, you just think that, you know, the new person will just solve the problem and you just stay in the same rut and the same cycle. But the fact is, no matter what we're doing in life when we're chasing things, whether it's money, whether it's a relationship, whether whatever it is, when we're chasing things to solve our problem, we eventually come and realize that nothing can solve our problems. That our journey in life is to have peace with ourselves right where we are. And that's God's ideal for our lives, that no matter what we are going through, we're okay because we have peace in our lives. That's why the Bible, when it talks about peace, and I mentioned it earlier, Jesus said, I leave you this peace, a peace that you cannot get from this world. I leave you this peace. It's, it's a supernatural peace. And when we seek God, when we seek him, we are supposed to find this peace that gives us peace that Jesus says the world can't give. And so what that means is no matter what we are going through, we still have the opportunity to have peace and joy in our lives because it's supernatural. It's supernatural. And I know that when I became a believer, every day that I became a believer was better than the day before I was a believer. Now, I'm not saying it was easier. I'm just saying it's better. I had some easier days before I became a Christian, but I still had this hopelessness of what am I going to do and where am I going to find it and where am I going to end up? But every day is better after I'm a believer because no matter if I'm going through tough times or not, I have God to be able to call upon. And that's what makes things the difference. I sleep at night. Why? Because I know the one that has all the answers. And the Bible tells me that my future is hid in Christ in God. The Bible says what I've started in you, I will complete until the day of Jesus Christ. The Bible says I knew you. God says he knew you before you were born and anointed you to be on this earth. He didn't say it would all be roses. Matter of fact, Jesus, before he left, said in this world, you're going to have some trouble. But be of good cheer. He said, I've overcome the world. I've given you this peace. I've given you this this understanding that I'm above it all, that I'm God. Does that make sense? And when we chase stuff, it never satisfies. You know, Ecclesiastes says, those who love money are never satisfied with money. That's such an ironic thing. Those who love money are never satisfied with money. It's such a strange statement right? You think if you love something and you have it, you'd be satisfied. But Ecclesiastes says, if you love money, you're never satisfied with it because it can never bring that peace. And so you love money, you get it, and then it's not enough. So you got to get some more and then it's not enough. It never satisfied. And so that's a, it's a a thirst that never gets quenched. But Jesus, when he was at the well with the woman, he says, I'm going to bring you living water and you'll never thirst again. It's that peace that he's talking about. It's that knowing. Like after I gave my life to Christ when I was 23 years old, and I say it all the time, but it's so true. The most exciting thing for me was not that I was not going to hell anymore. It wasn't that I was heaven bound. It was that I finally knew the one that knew everything. And I fit in this world somehow. And I knew the one who put me here. And even if I didn't get it all right, I knew who I could go to. And I realized that I had a place in this universe and I belonged And I realized that all this time that I was chasing relationships and chasing booze and all this stuff and getting into the worldly trouble until I was 23 years old, I was a wild child. And I realized, though, all that chasing was for one reason I was homesick and I didn't even know it. And when I met God, I was home. I finally found my home. And if there was going to be trouble, that's okay. I could still just be at home. Isn't that good? It's the truth. It's the truth. And so we're never going to find peace in anything but God. We're never going to do that. And so if you're looking for something to make your life better, you're going to be looking a long time. You're going to find something, and then you're going to realize that it didn't satisfy, which is why I'm saying it gets easier and divorces and everything, because people are searching for something, and then they never find it. It never satisfies. It's a quick high. It lasts for a little while, but then they need more. And the only thing that satisfies forever is Christ, right? And so the journey, like once again, here we are again, 20 weeks into this thing, and we're back to the same point. The journey is not about what we achieve on this earth, the journey is about our relationship with God. It's not about the things we achieve, it's not about the goals we set, even though those are all good things. But the most important thing is our walk with God along that journey. He cares more about your conversation at the gas station. Then he does you filling your truck on where you're going to get to after that truck's full. And that's one of the things, and I say it every week, you know, because Lauren had challenged me. You know, I went back to steer wrestling. 23 years I was out of Bulldog and went back to steer wrestling. Lauren's like, what's different this time? Why are you doing this? And it was self-goals and it was different things. And what's God teaching you? And the biggest thing he was teaching me was, When I was younger, I would go to these steer wrestling things. And all I could think about was bulldogging and going pro and doing this stuff. And if I missed a steer, I was mad the whole way home. And I was mad for three days. And if I threw a good steer, I'd be happy till the next one. And all my life revolved around this goal. But this time traveling with my boy, it's like stopping at the lake to do some fishing and talking to my boy about Christ. And my boy and me sharpening iron, and and when I get to the rodeo, just talking with the people a little more and just being a little more relaxed. and It's just so fulfilling this time, and I'm never going to go pro and make the pros anymore. I'm too old for that. But I get to go and enjoy it this time. After the first time I backed my horse into the the box to steer us for the first time, um, I'd missed my first steer, but I said to Jonathan, I said, I don't remember ever remembering being In the box, like backing my horse in, because I was always so wound so tight, and it was all about, I got to win this rodeo, it was all about this, and I would back the horse in, and I would remember nothing, and I remember the first time I went into the box this year, I backed in, and I was just so calm, I'm looking at the steer, I'm taking my time before I nod to let the steer go, and I thought, I wish I could have enjoyed this 23 years ago like this, (laughs) I'd had the body to throw more steers and different things. But I realized it was all about the journey this time and whether or not I threw a steer or not. And I I got challenged on this. The first few steers, I mean, Jonathan was there. I was like mad again afterwards. But then after the second one, we were driving and talking. I said, I'm going to give myself, the first first one was I'm going to give myself an hour. I'm going to give myself an hour to redo that run in my head and be mad about it and see what I can get back. And then after that, I'm done. We're just going to talk about some cool stuff and and go fishing or go eat or whatever we're going to do. And then a couple rodeos later, I brought it down to a half an hour. I'm going to give myself a half an hour to be mad. And it just makes life way better. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? So anyways, we're back to the point of it's just about the journey. And what we need to realize is God is into making his children, to growing his children up. And what we need to realize is God can do that in any environment we are in. Any environment we are in, he can do that. Whether you are having a good time or whether you are having a bad time, God still has the ability to grow you as a kid, a child of his. He does. And if life's feeling pressured, sometimes it's even more so. He doesn't bring the bad, but when you're in the bad, sometimes we just start looking for God a little more. A lot of times it's just to get us out of the bad, but at least we start talking with God. And so God can raise his kids no matter what situation you are in, no matter what, and he will do it in any environment. Matter of fact, sometimes our environment will stay the way it is until we do grow up a little bit. And we see that so much in the scripture. We see the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And scholars will tell us that it was supposed to take 11 days to walk, from Egypt to the promised land. You know how long they were in the wilderness circling the mountain for? 40 years. Something that was supposed to take 11 days, you know? And so rather than our prayer life being, God, what are you doing? Get me out of this. Maybe it needs to be, God, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? How do I need to grow up in this? God, why do you have all these people around me like this? God, why, why, why? Get these people out of my way. God, I can't stand these people in my life. And da, 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 da. Maybe God's just saying you better learn how to have a relationship with those people. God, this one person just keeps coming around. Maybe you need to learn how to talk to that one person. I don't like that person. Maybe you need to learn how to like that person. Maybe you need to learn how to love that person. And sometimes we may just circle the mountain and circle the mountain and circle the mountain until we get it figured out before God takes us into the promised land. So I'm going to end there. Being a a better you will make you better for those situations that you're thinking will solve your problem. So I need a man or I need this or I need that. Maybe God needs you to be better before that happens. Maybe we need to grow up, Right? so that we can handle that situation better. Well, a man will save me or a woman will save me. No, Jesus saved you, right? And if we want that situation to grow, maybe we need to grow into that situation so that we can be a better spouse. We can be a better parent. We can be a better business person. We can be a better neighbor, whatever that may be. And I'm speaking to myself. I'm challenged with this stuff all the time. So it's just about focus again. And so I'm just going to end on a super famous scripture and then we'll leave. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Before that, it says, quit complaining, quit worrying, quit having anxiety about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what shelter you're going to have over your head and what's this and what job you're going to have and if you're going to be able to pay your rent and if a man's going to come, if a woman's going to come, if you're finally going to have a child, if that, if that, if that. It just goes on. Jesus says, Quit worrying. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything that's supposed to be added to you will be added to you. Is that okay preaching this morning? Father, I thank you for every person in this house this morning. May we just be a little bit closer to you. I pray, God, for every person in this place that we just know you a little more this morning. We know you a little more, and I pray that for every individual here this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen.